With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And it, like they were cool with it for a bit. And then it started to be like five, ten people at a time. And security was like, all right, no, where they so they they formed like a wall at the bottom of the stage. And then Matt Schultz is just like, no, fuck that. Everybody get up here. And there's a whole <laughs> mosh pit on the stage while they were playing. He was crowd surfing on the stage. There were people stealing drumsticks and shit. Like they were just, ta- everything That's was awesome. fair game. Yeah, and so I was, he, I walked out of the concert and people were literally leaving with like instruments from the show. Yeah, so awesome. he, he crowd surfed all the way to the back and climbed up into the upper balcony at one of the shows I went to. It's fucking remarkable. Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner. You know it. You love it. It's college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more during any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. Make sure you bet Maryland if they're playing against Texas. Horns down, baby. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they're offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. That's promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Booyah! Hello and welcome to episode 73 of season 2 of the Bruise and Bruins podcast, the Michael Ryder episode. Hey, the what? Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Diehards, sponsored by DraftKings, a drinkable podcast you can taste, a hard listen according to my own father. Um, welcome one and all. Do we need to go around with what we're drinking? I yeah. don't think so because the last episode. All right, cool. Let's see Reviews. if we can remember what we gave our ratings for <laughs> 20 minutes ago. <laughs> no, I got a different one. Oh, there you go. Right, let me grab another one as well. Uh, also, Drew, I just want to point out the fact that you called this the Michael Ryder episode and not the Charlie McAvoy episode. Not, yeah. <laughs> not saying you're picking favorites or anything. It can be both. Okay, look, has has though. has Charlie McAvoy ever made a glove save? Yes or no? Well, probably, yeah. Maybe. Almost certainly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe no. not of the same no. caliber. No, but... not in the crease. Not in the crease posing as a goaltender against the Montreal Canadiens. No. So Michael Ryder it is. Send his number to the rafters. Um, yeah, what are you what are you guys drinking, Chris? You haven't I gotta grab a beer, so hold on. Hey, well, so here's the thing. Um Drew said that he was uh 
grabbing two beers for through the recording of these two episodes. Um, and I said I had a double IPA, so there was probably no reason for me to grab two beers. And then Drew said, well, I'm grabbing a double IPA and a Corona. So I went to my parents' fridge and I got a Corona, not to be one-upped by Drew. Um, And I have here a Corona Premier um, (laughs) because that's what my mom has. The Premier Um, beer. Unclear what the actual difference is, but... uh, Low carbs. I, I understand that, but the in terms of like flavor, like... I think it might be better. Yeah. <laughs> it has it has a little bit less of that skunky flavor. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, tasteability wise, probably takes a hit, but I think that improves it. Like overall, as a beer. yeah, overall as a beer, it improves it. Tasteability, it's like a four. Um, I can kind of taste it. Tastes a little different than seltzer water, like beer flavored seltzer water, maybe. Um, Ew. <laughs> that's gross uh oh it's four percent alcohol i was expecting less um i was expecting like Michelob ultra levels of like 3.7 or whatever um drinkability i mean i just opened it and it's halfway gone whoa halfway yeah uh I, I didn't put a lime in it or anything but i feel like it would go really well with a lime obviously um Drinkability, 35. Ooh, Kudobin. Yeah. Kudobin. Oh, and now. Oh, Lena Solmark. Yeah. Hey. Our guy. Famously the, the number one goalie in Bruins and Bruins history. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, sir. I've, t- I've been saying for years, man, they should ditch Rask for Olmark. I will know? say. <laughs> I will say, as far as uh, goalie names go, Linus Ulmark is a really cool fucking name. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like like a old like uh, ruler in like a Viking. It's like a Viking <laughs> name, you know? Because isn't he like Scandinavian origin? Isn't he? Yeah, I think he's Swedish. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like a Viking. Maybe he is a Viking. I got to jump in here with some uh, some non hockey trivia. Okay. Uh, I saw the Athletic sent out something. Uh, you guys may have saw Tyler Tyler Gilbert of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks threw a no hitter in his first career start, which I guess this will be last week by the time you're listening to this. Um, first of all, awesome feat. That's so cool. Uh, also, shout out Richie Flores, friend of the pod, who was there for <laughs> was the game. in attendance. Yes, that's fucking awesome. Um, somehow, not the coolest part of this. There are three people that have done this before. In baseball history, hint two of them were pre 1900s. So you know these names are gonna be <laughs> absolutely. I I swear to God, this could not have gotten any better. So Tyler Gilbert, 2021, most recently to do it. Before that, 1953, a man by the name of Bobo Holloman, no hitter in his first career start. Prior to that, jump it back another 60 years, not 1892, a man by the name of Bumpus Jones, three no hitter. Bumpus Jones. Fucking unreal. And then you, the year before, it was Theodore Breitenstein. Or maybe Breitenstein. I'm not I'm not really sure. So we have Bobo, Bumpus, and Theodore all in one uh history book here. So that's that's pretty impressive. I, I think, you gotta love I, baseball names. I, I just think it's like really interesting that 
like parents are like okay what can like the funniest name we can ever name <laughs> so we're like let's both just say inappropriate words at the same time we'll combine them and they went with bum and piss bum so, piss so i don't know which if is I... also diarrhea anyway oh, also ahead. shouts shouts to dick butt kiss uh yeah always <laughs> i i don't know if I, I mentioned this on the podcast but those those like memes on facebook or, or uh twitter were going around um like right around my birthday it was like a choose like your baseball player like this guy has to get a hit off of the dude like some guy who shares your birthday has to get a hit off of the dude who like was pitching in the world series uh the year you graduated high school or whatever and like my list is uh matt caesar who graduated a year ahead of me at villanova and Jack Glasscock, who played in, <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> who played in the major leagues from 1857 to 1947. Wow. That's the name of my dildo. Right, I guess he was alive from 1857 <laughs> to 1947. That would have been an, an incredible career. He played for 90 years. <laughs> <laughs> what would name my Glasscock? How could he not? Wow. Jack Glasscock. Incredible stuff. Um, Jack I, who just happened to be the best player in his position <laughs> edit that out. in here. That's phenomenal. <laughs> no, we're not editing anything out here. Oh, uh, when I said Jack, my <laughs> maybe. <that's what> <laughs> I love how Cam was like, I, we need to we need to record on on video so it's easier to edit. And then Drew's just like, nah. <laughs> they fucked that. Uh, all right. I am drinking a uh, Switchback Ale. Uh, same one I featured with Porter a couple weeks ago. Still trying to figure out how to describe this beer, which I guess is the way it was intended. Because on the back, it says it's a hard-to-describe beer. It describes it as a reddish amber. I think that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. It for sure has like that reddish-amber kind of deeper, heavier notes to it. But it's not like a, a, a standard pure red ale or uh, you know red-amber ale either. But uh, it is a very good beer out of Vermont. Uh, they say they developed it as a flavor concept uh, rather than adhering to, like, any specific, like, beer guidelines of, like, hey, we're going to use these hops, these sorts of things. But, like, hey, we want to make a beer that tastes like this. How can we do that? Maybe every place does that, and they just put it on the bottle. But I don't know. If not, then cool. Uh, overall, though, pretty good beer. Um, it also comes in, like, one of those, like, smaller, like, old-style, like, medicine bottle bottles, which I like. Yeah. It's very hipstery, I guess, but you know, whatever. Like the red stripe bottles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even five percent uh, drinkability. Personally, I go slower with like kind of redder amber beers. I don't know if that's just a me thing or if that's like a general across the board thing, but we'll dock at some of the drinkability scale there. Probably like a thirteen. Uh, taste is pretty powerful, though. Uh, like I said, I don't really know exactly how to describe it, but um, it's definitely there. I'll give it a 27, I think. Yeah. Sick. Give it a go. Also, shout out for Mutt. Yep. Oh, by the way, before Drew goes ahead, I um, speaking of, of Vermont breweries, uh, I went to the uh, Vermont uh, Harpoon Brewery, and that one's really cool. Um, it's like an hour ish north of the Massachusetts border. Um, and it's kind of in this cool little, it's like a neighborhood of different things going on there. It's like in the middle of nowhere, but it's like this industrial park that has 
uh, it's it's a dolled up industrial park like they they have grass and everything you know they got trees um but there's like a, a distillery there there's a couple of like shops and stuff um there's a mm-hmm. sculpture garden um but basically like the harpoon brewery has this cool beer garden where they got like a bunch of food going on um and i was in transit between champlain and uh my buddy zach got a an airbnb with his friends for like the following week kind of you know maybe 40 minutes away like in the okimo area and uh i was waiting for check-in over there and i was going to meet up with them so i needed something to do and i looked up breweries on the way and i did not know harpoon had a spot in vermont and it's really cool so if you're anywhere in the like southern vermont area um uh, you probably already know about that but if you're like traveling through um check that out it's really good they got a they got all their beers on tap and then they got a a cool little shop that has uh has like a bunch of local brews there as well so i got some i got some local vermont craft beer um to bring for the the party when uh you said it ha- it was like really cool i thought of mcdonald's with the uh like the little like play sets play place, yeah. Like, yeah and then i was thinking if i ever opened a brewery it would have an indoor playground and then i realized i do not want to uh encourage children inhabiting a uh a brewery so well, I... it does have like a row of uh cornhole sets like so you can just chill there and play that you're so, gonna send your kids out there to almost play like a, while you drink. Yeah, <laughs> almost <laughs> like a playpen, but an adult playpen, pretty much. Mm-hmm. All right, Drew. <laughs> I have, after my double IPA, a Corona Extra, as uh, Chris foreshadowed me having a Corona. But mine's mine's a little extra, as um, is Drew. Yeah, I was about to say, just like me. <laughs> um, uh. Unlike the uh, the uh, premiere, this is a little skunky. Um, sorry, I just inhaled into the <laughs> mic. Um, yeah, let's just go for it. And with my uh, Cam Hasbrook impression, mm, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say uh, drinkability is always pretty high for a Corona, so I'm going to go uh, gonna go with the 26. And then uh, tasteability, yeah, it's a little low, but it is a Corona. So for your, you know, craft beers, I guess it's kind of it's pretty strong. Like I feel like you can taste it more than you can say like a Budweiser. I'll go twenty four. And with that, uh, should we let this episode just ride or die on the listener questions we got? Yeah, yeah the little little uh, campfire sesh, right? Oh yeah, a little camp campfire, Ooh. camp campfire. Hasbrook. She got to edit the crickets um, from last episode in. Or from, from I guess, two episodes ago. Our, uh, well, our first com- uh, uh, question comes from at Ryjack's back, aka Ryjack. Uh, does Cam Hasbrook actually have any, any idea what he's talking about? My opinion is no. He doesn't. Uh, I guess we'll. Uh, Cam would be biased on this, so Chris. <laughs> Uh, what, what's I would not be biased. I would flat out say I have no idea what I'm talking about at any time, really. Well, but... so here's the dirty secret. I don't think anybody knows what they're talking about when it comes to hockey, even and especially uh, people who played the game um, on the professional scale. So um, 
No, Cam has no idea what he's talking about, but he has a better idea of what he's talking about than most people do. A including the pros, because I didn't play pro. That's what... Yeah. Once you, once you, like, you really have an idea what's going on, and then you turn pro, and it just, like... Yeah, just Cam was, Cam was smart and retired. Yeah, no, that's why I, I could have been the next Charlie McAvoy, but, uh, you know, I just, I didn't have chubby enough cheeks, actually. They were, I have some pretty chubby cheeks, but they were, like, you need another centimeter on each end, so... Chubby um, Cheeks Charlie, name of this episode. Yeah, it nope, is the Charlie McAvoy episode. Oh, it is. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the Michael Ryder Mac. episode, but, you know, that's all right. Chucky Shout Mac and Cheese, Chucky. Chucky um, Cheese. Yeah, Cam doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, but neither do I. Alright, from at Sean uh, uh Sean Rajo seventeen, aka I miss David Krejci on Twitter. Um with three different questions. One, ideally does Coil become two C or do they give that to someone like Stanika to boost confidence with two great wingers? Um, personally, I think it's going to be Coil. Uh, maybe Stanika gets a look at some point if, if that line's not clicking, but I'm personally really excited to see how Coil and Hall can combine on that line um, and really see what they can do. And then you got Craig Smith there, the 110% effort man, the man with two first names. Um, I think that will be a pretty damn good line, and for, for fans who are who complained about the lack of size, there's a very sizable second line there. I mean, I know Taylor Hall's not like a like a grinder kind of player, but he has a bigger frame. Coil has shown that he knows how to use his body, even like offensively, just shielding the puck, using his big frame. And then you have Craig Smith just as the wild card all over the fucking place. And I really see some potential there. It's going to be a different look than Krejci centering that line with all that playmaking and such, but I think that line really does have some potential and I want to see Coyle on it for an extended period of time before they go with someone like Stanika or another option. Yeah, I mean I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, like you said, I think you have to kind of temper your expectations a little bit um, especially right off the bat. We've been oh god, oh so spoiled with David Krejci over the last decade um, and there's going to be a change obviously. It's going to be a different style I mean I think <clears throat> this line really is going to ride or die with that center, and, and hopefully it will be Charlie Coyle, and we can get kind of the Charlie Coyle that we saw uh, in the in the nineteen twenty season versus in the twenty twenty one. But um, look, I mean, like Drew said, if if we can get Coyle up and running again, I think that has the potential to be a line that is really difficult to play against. Um, as far as when those guys are clicking, this style of play that they uh, that they each kind of bring to the table, and then kind of mushing that into one unit. Um, it could be a pretty energetic line. Um, Charlie Coyle, when he's when he's at his best, is flying around there. Craig Smith gets in the dirty places, and obviously Taylor Hall's speed is something to be admired. Um, and all three of those guys have the at least ability to generate offense in a very different way, I would say, than David Krejci did. So, you know, again, it's going to be different, but uh, there is the potential, I think, for, for something special there. Yeah, I think you guys both pointed out some really good things, and I agree that ideally you want charlie coyle up there we've talked about it at length on the podcast as far as like if charlie coyle gives you what he gave you two seasons ago rather than last season uh an injury plagued season then you know that line might complement really well um as kind of like a replication of the top line if you if you look at like what each player does on the on the bergeron line you have brad marchand who's kind of the 
distributing, scoring left winger. Then you have your defensively responsible center. And then you have your scoring right winger. Um, obviously, like, <laughs> light beer versions of each of those players. But if that kind of formula works for the top line, would love to see it work on that second line. Hell yeah. Hell to the fucking yeah. Sorry, that was weird. Um, all right, next <laughs> question. Sorry, that was uh, weird. A Drew Johnson story. Yeah. Um, that might that's be the, the name of my autobiography. <laughs> um, Tommy Orton at the Tommy Orton, our um, dear British friend. Our dear British friend. Uh, when Brews and Bruins goes overseas, Tommy will be there, unless we go like. Uh, to like Asia or something, then I suppose Tommy will be there. I mean, he's invited, but he'll have to pay. He'll have to pay his own way. So <laughs> we're we're, we're uh, banking on crashing at Tommy's house, actually, if we ever go to England. Um, I'm I'm just making this up as I go. Uh, but hopefully that offer is the Bruce and Bruce right. story. <laughs> um, first question is: I need some new music. So what are you guys listening to? Oh. I know what Cam's uh, listening to. Yeah, I tweeted out the other day. Uh, big time on the uh, Tyler the Creator, call me if you get lost vibe. Um, Tyler does not miss. Uh, I mean, if I have like an interesting background with him because like I think like a lot of people, I listen to, like his very early like bastard pre bastard stuff. Um, very aggressive hip hop music, um, raunchy, not very politically correct in a lot of cases. Um, and between that and watching a video of him eating a live roach, I was very scared by him early on of just like, I don't know what's going on here. And as a suburban white kid in America, I'm not sure this is the type of music that was made for me. Um, but more recently, kind of have developed a new appreciation for it. I, I listened to a uh, another really good podcast called Dissect that kind of goes through hip-hop albums and breaks them down like musically and stylistically and stuff like that. And I listened to the season about Flower Boy, which was Tyler's album three ago, I guess. Um, beautiful album. And just kind of developed a whole new appreciation for um, the message that it had and then also just the, the production style, which is really unique. And um, kind of realized how brilliant he is as a, as a producer, not only as just a, a, you know, a rapper and kind of singer, songwriter, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Igor won, I believe, best... Was a rap or best hip hop album in 2019? I think it was when it came out. Um, very strong album, and then uh, yeah, "Call Me If You Get Lost" was his most recent one that dropped earlier this year, and uh, it's been it's been rolling on repeat for me. Uh, I've been a really big fan of that. Um, outside of that, I've been kind of jumping back into this old band um, that I saw in upstate New York, like six or seven years ago in like this super tiny concert venue called the Oh Hellos. Um, they're a brother-sister duo out of Texas um, that do kind of like an indie folk sort of thing. Um, they've got some really nice music. Uh, kind of a string-based, I guess, mostly. Um, they are the two lead vocalists, but then they've got a much larger kind of background band that really beautiful music. Um, but I kind of fell in love with them because I went to see them. My brother was like a, a pretty big fan of theirs. And he was like, hey, you should come to this concert with like him and my cousins and stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. I listened to it. And they're like, yeah, these guys are pretty good. And super tiny, little like 500 person little concert hall or something like that. Um, but we showed up and we were hanging out in the parking lot before the show. Um, and it was literally like in like a strip mall. It was like a really weird little concert hall. 
Um, it's formerly called Northern Lights. I forget what it's called now. It's like Upstate Concert Hall or something like that. Uh, but we were hanging out in the parking lot before the before the show, and we like see the band like just chilling in the parking lot. And so we're like throwing a frisbee, and they like a couple of the band members like walked into like this little department store next to us, and were like looking to buy shoes or something like that. And we were hanging out like an hour before the show. And we went up to them and we're like, hey, like, aren't are you guys the oh hellos? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're here to see you guys. Like, why are you guys just chilling out here? And they were like, yeah, we're just like hanging out like before the show, like everybody else's. So we were like, sweet, you guys want to like toss around a frisbee? They were like, hell yeah. <laughs> so we just sat there in the parking lot and like played frisbee with the band before we went to actually see it. Then they went on and gave us a killer concert. We we're like front row. Um and it was it was awesome. Like that's such a unique experience, like being able to hang out with the band before you see them perform. Um, and then, yeah, they've blown up a lot since then. I think their, like, top songs in Spotify have, like, tens of millions of streams now, which is it's pretty cool to see them blow up you know, since then. Definitely heard of them, yeah. You know what's kind of funny is that my friend Cam actually once told me a very similar story, so... <laughs> what do you know? Ironic. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, though, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, um, how about you? What are you listening to? Well, so as far as, like, 2021 albums... Um, the the new dinosaur junior album's pretty good i don't know if anyone's familiar with them but they were uh pretty popular in like the late 80s early 90s and had a couple of pretty big hits um and then kind of petered out for a while and have reunited over the years but uh got back together with the original lineup uh in like the late 2000s and have released like five albums since then um and this new one uh sweep it into space is pretty good um they're a local uh, Amherst area band, so obviously I'm uh, required to be really into them. But um, they're coming out to San Diego later. Going to go see them, um, and it's you know it's solid rock music with just like ripping solos, um, and I always love that stuff. Um, and then as far as hip hop music, um, MF Doom passed away this past year, and he did uh, an album with uh, Zarface, which is a hip-hop duo with uh, a Wu-Tang member, Inspected Deck. Um, and I, I, they're kind of like... They, they do, like, comic book rap, basically, and it's always kind of, like, funny, interesting stuff. Um, and they, they did this album with MF Doom, and it's it's sad to... You know, sad that he's gone, but it's it's always good to, like you know get to hear him do do stuff and it's a it's a pretty good album and then for for the rest of the year i've been listening to saint vincent a lot um japanese breakfast wolf alice um faye webster the tyler the creator album obviously is really good and uh lucy dacus her her new album um is really really awesome nice uh I'm not really listening to too many like newer artists to be honest. It's kind of more like recycled content. I'll always suggest KG Elephant. Um, and it, what's actually kind of funny though is outside of playing like you know local shows in their area, they were are out of Kentucky, so they kind of played that region a bit. But they first got big in Britain. Um, they toured there a lot and even lived there for about a year. Uh, so I did not know that. Tommy, bruh. Yeah, nice. they they really do the uh, 
they do the Rolling Stones thing big. Oh yeah, yeah they do. Yeah, I think I think uh, Matt Schultz, the uh, front man, uh, thinks he's Mick Jagger, which he he pulls it off pretty well. He, he pulls it off really well. On, yeah, his yeah. onstage <laughs> performance is like very eerily very similar. Good. Yeah, I've seen them play live a bunch of times, and the, it's always a great show. Yeah, they're they're one of those bands. There's bands that are better in studio and bands that are better live, and I think KG Elephant is one of those that's even better live, and they're good in studio. I was too. gonna say, yeah. I think they're both. Yeah, they, I, they are both, but they're like they are ten times better just because of the energy that they bring. On stage. Yeah, I, I saw them once live, and it ended in like a literal riot. Like there were people <laughs> jumping up on stage. Like there was a guy who like jumped up on stage, and like security like ripped them off. And it happened like two or three times because um, the the lead singer, what's his name, Drew? Matt, Matt Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, he kept like telling people to come up, and the security was like, "What the fuck? No, you can't do that." And eventually, like. It started off like a couple, you know, random stragglers would jump up on stage and he would dance with them and sing with them for a second and they get pulled out by security. And it, like they were cool with it for a bit. And then it started to be like five, ten people at a time. And security was like, all right, no, where they so they they formed like a wall at the bottom of the stage. And then Matt Schultz is just like, no, fuck that. Everybody get up here. And there's a whole <laughs> mosh pit on the stage while they were playing. He was crowd surfing on the stage. There were people stealing drumsticks and shit. Like they were just everything That's was awesome. fair game. Yeah, and so I was he, I walked out of the concert and people were literally leaving with like instruments from the show. Yeah, so awesome. he, he crowd surfed all the way to the back and climbed up into the upper balcony at one of the shows I went to. It's fucking remarkable. Like yeah, while he, still performing very good music too. It's not like the quality of music suffered either. Yeah, his, his, his singing isn't the best live, which is why they have because uh, he just goes all out. Like he'll go all out in the first song and then his voice is just like not there or he's just moving so much, you know. But uh, the backup vocalist uh, is fucking great. He plays a keyboard too. He plays guitar in a few, song a few songs. Uh, he has probably one of the most amazing voices I've, I've honestly heard in, in modern day rock music. Um, Amen. Uh, backs him up and actually makes him sound good live. Uh, Although, by, uh, by the way, Matt Schultz, not to be confused with Matt Schultz, uh, the actor who plays Vince in the Fast and the Furious uh, series. Or in case like, you were confused, yeah. I guess in two of those movies, but uh, I think it's... I think Matt Schultz should be in a movie, though. The, Fast, the Matt Fast and the Furious, and then I think he's in the fourth one, which is... I don't remember what it's called. Um, But Tommy's next question... Um, Oh crap, <laughs> clicked off of it. Here we go, here we go, here we go. I got it. Alright. Realistically, how much is McAvoy going to get paid? And I believe that's in reference to McAvoy now entering the last season of his three year deal worth uh four point nine million annually. Uh so yeah, how much I guess we could talk about this also in length. Like how do you think it's how long? I think it's going to be a decently long contract. I think this is going to be the main contract of his career, so it will be long, way, and it not, will be high. Not to derail this, but I just watched Drew's Snapchats of, of me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we recorded this, we had some technical difficulties where Cam couldn't get into the, the video chat. It was just me sitting here watching myself, but also Drew was sitting in the lobby watching my video. At <laughs> <laughs> when I saw you take out a knife, but was me, so me opening my beer, me playing with this knife that I found next to, <laughs> next to the computer. <laughs> I thought he was going to go on the camera and be like, you want to know how I got these scars? Incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, 
sorry for interrupting, but no, it's all good. Uh, what was the question? Oh yeah, yeah. How much is McAvoy going to get paid? I think it's going to be the main contract of his career, so he's going to get paid a hefty wage for a hefty length of time. I mean, I think he is the Bruins franchise defenseman at this point, at this juncture. Um, so I think, I mean, it could even be like eight eight million dollar range. Like oh, I think no, he's no, going to no. be he's, among. He's nine, nine and a half. Yeah, no, I, mean, I just think he's going to be the among the top top five, top ten paid defensemen in the league. Um, and I think I'm perfectly fine with that because I think he's going to be worth that money. I think he already is close to worth that, but I think he will 100% be worth that. I think he's going to be a Norris Trophy winner multiple times in his career if he stays healthy. Which is um, funny that we were all like rooting for him to be a Norris finalist this year, but I think the fact that he wasn't helps uh, <laughs> drive the price down a little bit because once, yeah. once you're a Norris finalist, you're you know solidified among you have that leverage uh, in any negotiation and everyone listens to that regardless of how meaningless it is um oh yeah he i'm seeing here now he will be an rfa still yeah it, it, that doesn't matter though because someone's going to qualify him for a lot no of i know i'm just saying he will to be an rfa which is a little bit more uh it's yeah it's not like he's going to sign with another team I, yeah, I don't think so, even if you were UFA. But it makes me feel a little more comfortable knowing the Bruins get A. A, A. Like the Hurricanes, like, as if we're not going to resign. Uh, was it Teravinen? No, that was, uh, or was it Sir? It was Aho. Aho, Aho. You know, one of those young, really good players that I wish the Bruins had. Uh, Cam, what's your take? Oh, um, I mean, yeah, I, I would be pretty surprised if it's less than $9 million. Um I think on a theoretical open market, which again is, is not the situation we're going with here, you could see him get maybe 10, more than 10 um, from the right team. And by the right team, I mean probably a team who's willing to spend willy-nilly and not necessarily think about the rest of their team's cap situation. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would ideally like to see the Bruins lock him in in like a mid nines maybe I think is, is a reasonable hope um, based on some of the things we've seen but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's nine even ten ten plus um, I don't I don't know where my not the type of player you want to let walk away um, and, and again this with a restricted free agent there's qualifying offers and stuff like that it's not like you're going to sign somewhere else right off the get uh, off the gun or anything like that but um I guess that's kind of where the discussion is. It's like, you know, obviously we're hoping for like nine, nine and a half, somewhere in that range, depending on term. But like, where is the cutoff? Like, at what point are you like, hey, I really like this guy, but like, we can't bust our team with one contract. Yeah, I think I think you draw the line at about 10 million. I think probably depending on, again, it depends on term, right? If it were like, I, I, that's another question, I guess. Is is how how long are you looking to lock him up at this point? I think probably well, you're, seven you're or looking, eight. Maybe you're looking to lock him up as long as you can. Yeah. Uh, what he's looking for might be different than that because maybe he wants to cash in on another contract um, after. So you know, not a lot of players want to lock in their biggest contract in uh, an RFA season. So sometimes you see mm-hmm. guys sign bridge deals at this point. Um, and and not not like a real bridge deal. I don't mean that because he already he already did sign one of those. Um, yeah. But I, I mean like a 
like a short-term wage deal. Yeah. A short-term deal where he makes a lot of money and he's a UFA by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then is able to cash in on another contract. And and by short-term, I mean like somewhere in the four, six range, kind of like what Pasternak did. Yeah. Um, where like by the time Pasternak's contract is up, he'll still be able to sign another big contract. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see seven or eight years probably um, would give me a little peace of mind. But um, I think it I, it kind of is in in McAvoy's and his camps, uh, you know, in, in the balls in their court, I guess, because it, it really is up to them as far as whether they want to try to cash in on another big deal or whether they're okay taking the paycheck and running with it now. But it's um, it's an interesting thing because for UFA deals. Um, more term drives the price down. Uh, for an RFA deal, more term probably drives the price up. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing like a four year deal, it's probably going to be more in the like eight and a half range. If it's an eight year deal, you're probably going to see in the like nine and a half, ten million range. Yeah. What's so? Mm-hmm. What would what would your breaking point? Let's say we get them for eight. Would you do eight by ten? That's that would that would be the that would probably that'd be the breaking. Uh, yeah, that's probably about it, right? Like a yeah, an uh, eight by like nine and a half would be fine with me. You know what I mean? It's just you gotta you gotta, and it's interesting because I, you I, I the really rest of the team to think about. Yeah, I mean, like it, and and the Bruins have been so good about this, right? And you kind of have to like, we're taking it for. I mean, we we talk about how great they have been about it a lot, but like we are still sort of taking it for for granted. And when you look at what some top lines and other organizations are making and stuff. And at some point the puck does stop, right? Like at some point you, you do have to cough up really what somebody is truly worth on a, on a more open market. So I would um, be this interested, is a situation where it could maybe. I, I would be interested to see if, so obviously the, the Bruins top player, the top paid player is not making very much money. Um, no one's no one's making an excess of seven million dollars um obviously you don't expect a guy like charlie mcavoy to take a huge discount like that but maybe he does take a slight discount not only uh because he sees the other players around him taking that discount i'm i'm very pro like any player getting as much money as they're worth because hockey players are already you know pretty you know they're not paid as highly as uh, many other athletes um but also maybe just taking that pressure off yourself um so when you're (laughs) when you're playing for uh, a cup you're not the reason why your team is unable to sign new players you're not you know the the guy who's being blamed for when um your team is underperforming that if you're if you're making three million dollars more than the next highest player, then you are the guy. And mm-hmm. um, one of those things is I think you know his scoring is is a, a big deal among people who criticize him, and that's not a big sticking point with me, or I don't think anybody else on this podcast. But if you're making ten million dollars and you're not scoring goals, yeah, um, it becomes people are, more. People are going to focus yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe that becomes a negotiating point in that contract and um and maybe he he takes money more in the eight million range because of that that is a fair point like i I don't 
I don't think he. I think he deserves more money than that, but he could absolutely take eight million dollars. I think. I think you also have to look at it in percentage too, about how much of the uh, the percentage of the cap you're willing to sink into him. And I think, as a, especially as a defenseman, you have a, a a higher chance in percentage wise getting paid just because there's less defensemen on the team. And if you're the top dog, and especially at his age and level of play. He's the guy that the Bruins are trying to build the defense around. Um, I think he will get paid top dollar for that. And hopefully, you know, in that case, the Bruins are, and I think everyone expects that maybe not this season or next season, that the salary cap will eventually start going up again. Um, That becomes less of an issue down the road, whatever the uh, pay rate is to be. I was going to say that, yeah, we do have to keep in mind, like, when this contract negotiation is happening, which, you know, obviously outside of everybody's control, but if I'm Charlie McAvoy and, and company, I'm probably not thrilled about that. Um, obviously, a very minor detail of the absolute shit show that's been the last year and a half on planet Earth, but, um, you know, I, that is a, there's a big uncertain when it comes to the future of the cap. I mean, you never know what it's going to be like, right? But especially in a, in a year or two, like, we've had um, a lot of question marks there. So maybe not the most ideal time for them to maximize their value, which maybe does lean them to take more of a, you know, superstar bridge deal, like we called it earlier, where it's closer to a five and six and say, hey, by the time, you know, 2027 rolls around, this cap might be significantly higher than it is now and he can really afford to cash in on another level so um a lot of factors there and as we already went over none of us have no idea what we're talking about so <laughs> we'll, we'll see um moving on from there robert schlosser at r schloss 33 uh if charlie coyle were to spend the full year as the 2c what would his point production have to be for you to deem it a success I think we've talked enough about like just Charlie Coyle and that playing scenario himself, so I'm just kind of wanting to toss numbers out there. Yeah, just numbers is good. Um, I'm going to say 40 to 50. That's the same, that same range. I was going to say 45. 40-45. Cam, you can't copy us. Yeah, I was thinking, well... <sighs> Think for yourself for once, Cam. No, what I was going to say... About. I don't know. I mean, again, we're kind of... I'm, I'm still thinking, like, David Krejci-esque, right? So I'm like, I would like to see it closer to 50, but I think uh, you also have to consider, like... 44 assists, yeah. Yeah. No, I'd like to see him score score 20-something and, and back that up with a rev- relatively even number of assists, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but again, it kind of it kind of works out depending on how that line exactly... I mean, we're assuming, like, it's going to be him, Taylor Hall, and Craig Smith, right? So that's the expectation there. But, you know, injuries and that sort of thing changes the the situation and stuff. But um, he's not necessarily going to be the guy that's the the goal scorer there, right? He can be a a playmaker. And, and, you know, so if he scores 20 goals and and packs 30 assists, I'd be pretty thrilled with that. But I was thinking 15 15 goals, 30 assists. Yeah. and, And playing like a really solid defensive game, that's a success. Yeah, and that is that is a big deal too. I'm okay with a little bit less point production wise, and I know that's the question here. But if if we're leaving that toward more of the wings, and he is establishing himself as a, which he already has for the most part, a pretty strong two way center, um, and can then add a little more value offensively, then that's fine by me. He doesn't have to be the one carrying the offense on that line. Uh, so much for just giving numbers. Um, and yeah, the, uh, 
<laughs> the next, uh, it's not a question, but it's a challenge, and it is our last before we uh, wrap this episode up. Also from Robert, uh, build your way too early ideal power play units, given the current personnel. I'll go on record that mine are PP1, Marsham, Bergy, Pasta, Hall, Riley, and then PP2, Felino, Coyle, Smith, Grizz, and Magavoy. Just to clarify, those were Roberts, not Drews. Yeah, those are Roberts, <laughs> not not mine. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna build these on paper, and you guys go ahead. I'm gonna build mine on Microsoft Word. The Bruce and Bruins podcast is sponsored by Microsoft Word. If you aren't using a web browser, how are you working? Um, <laughs> at least in the uh, in the uh, the whole uh, work work from home mode that we've been in for a year. I'll be honest. I think power play one. He hit the nail on the head. I, I would. I like yeah, Marshall and Bergeron. I think so. Riley. I think Riley's got to be the defenseman on that. Uh, we know Cassidy and the Bruins like to do the four defense or four forward uh, setup on PP one. Um, maybe that was partially because of the, the defensive situation the Bruins had, but I think a lot of teams are going to that. I mean, obviously, look at the power play. You're looking to generate offense, so you can stack an extra forward there. Um, the Bruins haven't had much trouble as far as like getting up shorthanded chances or anything like that the past few years so power play one I think you nailed on the head power play two interesting I mean Coyle maybe Smith's a good shooter so I like that I think McAvoy and Grizz up top I like um, trusty enough that if something goes wrong up front we can rely on them to be responsible defensively but both capable of creating offense although we've seen McAvoy have some kind of struggles as power play quarterback um Felino, I really, it's like, I gotta see what we're getting out of him. I don't, I'm not sure about his He's spot on there. Yeah. No longer an offensive player at this point. Yeah, I don't know if I would put him on that, on that second power play line. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not so confident in Felino being on that power play unit. I think he's going to play a good role on this team. I really do. I have a good feeling that he's going to be have an impactful role. I just don't see that being on the power play. I do see that being on the PK, uh, but yeah. I would not put him on the power play. I would see them putting even just like a guy like Debrusca on there. Stanika, um, maybe? How he does Stanika. Yeah, just maybe a young guy with some really offensive some flash. All right, well, I wrote mine down. Oh, Here's well, Chris prepared. Here's what I've got. Well, I, I didn't prepare. I prepared while you guys were talking. I, I let you guys chat it out. Yeah, aerospace well, engineer can adapt on the yeah. fly, you know? Okay, so here's here's my first unit. You have the you have the first line, obviously, as your forwards. Um, then I, I got Hall and Grizz. Um, they... they uh, both left shots, but you know you can figure that out. Um, and then on the second unit, I got Smith, Coyle, and then some combination of either uh, Jake DeBrusque or, or Eric Halla on that on that left side um, or on the right side. I mean, um, and then I want to do the two defensemen thing. I want uh, I want Riley and McAvoy out there. Um, if you're if you're putting out a second unit, that's I. I there's not a lot of firepower available. It's going to be a worse second unit than it was last year. Um, mostly just because Krejci's not there. Um, so, yeah, I, w I want to be giving up fewer opportunities going the other way. And both of those guys have offensive ability. And I think you don't lose a whole lot by having both those guys out there. I think the Bruins are in a really good position if what we're talking about is who's the last guy to slot in on their, on their power play unit, you know, out of the 10 guys. I mean, I think I like I agree that nine of the guys that uh, Robert listed should be there in any sort of way. I think we all agree with that. It's kind of just like instead of Felino being on one of the power play units, shouldn't it be this guy? I think that's a really good problem to have. 
you know, that's... considering we're losing David Krejci too, that's a exactly yeah. Because the other guy would yeah. be David Krejci. David Krejci would be on one, and then you bump yeah someone to the second, or maybe you have Krejci center the second with the talent yeah. they do have. I mean, so. and and not to you know that we we talked shit about him for the first half of the season, and then we kind of spent another portion of the season apologizing to him and then we spent the like off season kind of being like well did he really have a good a, a good season but nick ritchie like he, he being on the top power play unit nick ritchie did bump people down the line like that's um that that was important like it, having a guy who can just like stand in front of the net and like have pucks bounce off him into the net um allowed players like Krejci to be on the second power play unit and uh so yeah, replacing a guy like that's not super easy. So maybe you do something like that with Nick Foligno, and you put him on that top power play unit, and just have him like push people out out of the front of the net. Um, that's that's a totally different role than like actually being a good offensive player. And he has been an offensive player in the past, so you know he has the skills necessary to be able to pot pucks from like right in front of the net, like putting in rebounds. So maybe that is something they think about. Uh, yeah, combine that. Um, on that note, I think we're ready to wrap. Unless there's some any last words. Nope. What are we wrapping? Um, Presence. yo yo. Nope. Don't do that. <laughs>